Welcome along to this bite-sized edition of Tax and Lunch. Thanks for joining me. I'm Vincent Lachardi. You're listening to the podcast for tax advisors to high net worth individuals, wealthy family groups and private clients. I'm really excited that you're joining me for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your team so they can also gain the inside perspective. Let's listen in. Hi everyone, this is Vincent Lachardi here. Thank you again uh, for joining me for the next Tax and Lunch. Uh, we're being uh, met today and we have a, a Q&A uh, with Ben Rubin, uh, Director uh, from the ATO with a commercial deals team within the private wealth uh, division of the ATO. Uh, thank you for meeting with me again. My name is Vincent Lachardi and I'm a special counsel at HWL Ebsworth Lawyers. Um, I can see that Ben has joined us, so I might just uh, ask Ben very briefly, uh, just to give give everyone a wave, introduce himself, uh, and then we'll kick off. Good afternoon, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me clearly. I'm the Director of the Commercial Deals Program in Private Wealth, and I'll be joining Vincent today to discuss the Commercial Deals Program. Fantastic. Thank you, Ben. So today's session is all about what is a, a commercial deal. Um, and you may have already uh, read up about this sort of engagement from the ATO. Uh, it's not an audit, but an early pre-lodgement inquiry usually. Um, and we'll get into some of that uh, detail shortly. I'll just let a couple of additional people in. Uh, we'll, we'll have a look at how big the program is to get a sense from Ben, uh, the number of staff that he has in his team, the number of deals that have been uh, reviewed by the ATO in the last 12, 18 months or so, um, and we'll cover off some key uh, components of the program. Uh, so for yourselves and for your clients, you'll know what to expect. Uh, if you do get one of these uh, engagements from the ATO, uh, we'll also look at uh, some trends and what the ATO has been focused on when uh, looking at these deals, and also to, based on the deals, what are some of the risks that the ATO has been identifying over the last year or two. Um, so then you can be aware uh, for your own clients where those risks might lie and then how to address those going forward. Now we will be taking questions um, whilst we have some uh, specific slides that we're going to go over, we will be taking questions throughout the session. Uh, so we have allowed around 20 minutes or so for questions. So please ask those as we go. And then at the end, we'll have a, a specific uh, Q&A section if there's any uh, outstanding questions that we haven't got to. Uh, so let's kick off. So just to give you, first of all, a sense of what a commercial deal actually is from the ATO's perspective, uh, it is a pre-lodgement inquiry, as I mentioned. So it happens ordinarily before your clients have lodged their tax returns in respect of a significant commercial transaction that is usually more than $30 million, uh, that's Aussie dollars of wealth. It can include, and I won't go through each of the items that are on the slide, but it can include things such as demergers, divestitures, IPOs, uh, either partial or complete exits, if your client clients have exit events, 
And, and my experience has been, and we'll cover off some of this shortly, is that when the ATO is looking at the commercial deal and engages with the client in respect of the commercial deal, it will usually be at a couple of different levels. So it may be at both the transactional level, where the transaction actually occurs. So that may be, for example, within a company, within a family trust or unit trust, but then also the ATO um, will often engage with, with where the tax liability will actually fall. And there'll be some assurance of, around where the tax liability will fall. And sometimes that will not always be the same entity that conducts the transaction. For example, if you have a capital gain that flows through uh, a, a layer of, or two of family trusts down to beneficiary level, it's the beneficiaries that will pay tax. Um, but often the ATO will engage with all of those entities to get assurance about how uh, the tax liability will fall or any capital gain um, is returned. Thank you, Vincent. Yeah, before the commercial deals program launched in 2015, the identification of deals was fairly random. Deals were investigated, but only generally as a result of a re review or audit, often conducted years after the event. The review or audit processes were intensive and the cost of compliance was high. The cases often resulted in significant amendments and penalties for the client. Deal identification did not keep pace with the transactional market. The commercial deals program commenced in 2015 with a team set up to identify deals from news media and engage with taxpayers. While agents were initially hesitant, case teams highlighted the benefits of working on transactions in real time and reducing the risk of the post-lodgement review. Over time, agents started to see the benefit and accept the offer to engage. The program has led to the development of new reporting methodologies like economic activity correctly reported, tax assurance and wider revenue effects to measure the impact of these pre-lodgement engagements. The program has added a light touch campaign, real-time 855 risk assessments and client initiated engagements to further enhance market coverage. To improve our intelligence function, we have several projects underway with data scientists to build models and automate deal identification and reporting capability. Our ideal future state is for an increase in client-initiated engagements and to become a trusted source of tax assurance, providing a valued service for taxpayers. We want agents to trust the ATO and seek assurance from the regulator when they are contemplating or have completed large commercial transactions. I understand that this will be a behavioural change for certain agents and partners. However, I think it will contribute to a fairer and more transparent client experience. High levels of certainty shouldn't come at a high cost and an investment in engagement on significant transactions offers your clients value for their compliance dollar. Thank you, Ben. I just had a couple questions in respect of um, the items that you've covered so far. Can you explain to us, is the commercial deal really just an audit in disguise? So the ATO might say, well, we're doing all these nice and wonderful things, it happens pre-lodgement, but sometimes for clients, particularly um, in the private wealth market, who may not have had a review or an audit by the ATO previously, they might see the letter from the ATO and just think automatically, I'm under audit. 
And from their point of view, there may not be any differentiation about the way the ATO wants to do things and engage. And in particular, if advisors, they might only know about an engagement that they had from the ATO five or 10 years ago. So can you explain yeah. that a little bit more for us? Is the commercial deal really just an audit in disguise? Look, I know it might feel like that sometimes because our requests for information are still quite detailed and sometimes we don't agree at the end of the day. Um, but compliance isn't a one size fits all approach. We do pride ourselves on having tailored responses and look to, to contrast what an audit and an engagement really is. An average cycle time for one of these engagements is about 24 weeks or six months, whereas typically audits, although loaded with a 12 month time frame, can go 24 months longer. I've certainly been involved in ones that have gone three years or more. Um, agreement rates in post in, in, in post lodgement tend to be quite low as well. Like we have strike rates that are in the 50% range for order and reviews, whereas our engagement agreement rates are over 90% or roughly around 90%. So um, you can see that that slightly less adversarial approach does play out with those higher engagement rates. And, and Ben, do you think at times just the, the mindset of the parties can make the entire engagement for the client uh, quicker and ultimately cheaper? So if, the, if everyone's mindset is we've already lodged, there might be a lot of penalties and a lot of interest on the line, our positions are entrenched, um, and then often with advisors, there's, there's butting heads with the ATO, because on this side, we want to stick with our position. The ATO might feel that, you know, there's a particular area of law that the client might have pushed the boundaries, perhaps unintentionally. Um, do you think that that mindset is pre-lodgement, there's no penalties being spoken about, interest is still not being spoken about, it's all, it could literally be 12 months before lodgement is due, depending on what we're talking about. Um, and depending the, the nature of the engagement, the commercial deal that's under review, do, do you think and have you seen uh, circumstances where just the nature of the engagement is different and people are almost wearing different hats and having different mindsets? I think that's right, Vincent. I think the fact that you haven't had a lodgement take place and you're not necessarily coming with a predetermined agenda for disagreement, which is often where an audit and review starts, I think that just creates an environment where agreement is more likely. Um, yeah, both, both on our side, we're more willing to listen, I think, and understand the transaction before we get to the risk and issues. And I think from an agent's perspective, they're more open to the discussion and getting to the right outcome rather than, you know, defending their existing position. So, yeah, I just, I do think that the whole fact it is pre-lodgement is, is a big factor into why it's a, a less adversarial process. Great. Thanks, Ben. Uh, ben, I might get you to, to give us a sense from the ATO's point of view, how big is this commercial deal program? Um, that would help people to understand, is it something the ATO is taking seriously? Um, are there a lot of staff involved, a lot of deals being undertaken? That would be great. Yeah, so I can take you through some of the results of the program, which probably gives you a pretty good idea of the scope. Firstly, cases created. So there were 320 cases created with $14.7 billion of transactional value. The most common entities that were involved um, as vendors in the private market include trusts at 48%, individuals 43%, and companies just 9%. Um, 
In the 320 cases created, next 5,000 groups accounted for 45% of the deal value compared to 55% for medium and emerging groups. We closed 299 cases covering 18 point, sorry, 8.4 billion of transactional value compared to 258 in 1819 with transactional value of 11.3 billion. Of those cases closed, medium and emerging groups accounted for 83% of the vendors. That medium and emerging group in our population are making up a significant and growing percentage of the participants of the deals that we have identified. At the beginning of the financial year, we had 334 commercial deal engagements, reviews and audits in progress. Our program has been looking at close to 300 deals a year on a consistent basis now for the past three years. We have issued 212 light touch letters with an approximate 2.7 billion compared to 190 letters and 2.8 billion in 1819. We are now consistently adding almost 3 billion of deal coverage annually in this smaller end of the market. The light touch take up rate was 28% compared to 20% in 1819. This is a significant indicator, in my opinion, that early engagements are gaining traction with advisors in our market. We continue to grow the client initiated channel with 85 engagements requested of which 60 originated from our light touch campaign and 25 came directly to us via agents proactively requesting engagement via our website. As this channel matures, it will alleviate pressure on the commercial deals team to select the most appropriate cases for engagement. As advisors, you are uniquely positioned to determine if the type of engagement will suit your client's needs. And that, that case team, as you mentioned, just to give you a rough estimate, we have, we have currently 26 staff based in Dandenong. It's a bit of a hub and spoke model, if you like. So we're the intelligence and analysis hub, which I'll get to more in the next slide. And then the, the, the spokes are the teams nationally around in, in the engagement and assurance teams who complete the actual engagement work for us. And then it comes back to us to do analysis and review of the, of the outcomes of the cases, which I'll also speak about later. Um, the take-up rate is, is really exciting for us. We have 91% of taxpayers who are offered the service um, accepting. That's up from 88% last year. Um, and, and I think this demonstrates that the vast majority of advisors are opting into the program and seeing value in gaining certainty or avoiding that future compliance for their clients. Um, even the agreement rate at 91%, um, which is up 5% on last year, um, you know, is quite high. And, and, and in some circumstances, we do have uh, disagreement and we risk assess if further, if further application needs to be applied and further compliance resources. Sometimes there's a persistent disagreement. And even when that occurs, I feel like both sides are better positioned to make their arguments than they would be in a traditional audit where it will be undertaken years later. So the fact that more than nine out of 10 agreements, sorry, engagements end with the taxpayer and the regulator coming to an agreed position um, you know, is a good sign for this program and it's in stark contrast to traditional compliance programs. Ben, I've had a couple of questions come through on, on the same point actually, so I might pose it um, to you now. I, I see on the slide there's around 300 or so cases that you're doing a year, roughly. Mm -hmm. What happens if the practitioner says, look, Mr. ATO, I, I don't want to do this? What, is it similar to an audit where you pretty much well, you have no choice and the commissioner would issue notices? Can you knock it back? What happens in, I think you mentioned, there's probably around 5 to 10% of clients and practitioners that don't take up the offer 
from the ATO? What happens in those sorts of cases? Yeah, so we use a risk-based approach. And if, if there has been persistent disagreement and, and there's no resolution to that during the engagement, then we will risk assess um, once we see the lodgement. So we wait for the lodgement to come in. And at that point, it, it looks a lot like a normal risk model that we that we'd have in our systems. And, and, you know, as you've probably seen in the past, and I'll speak about this later as well, where, um, you know, a variance in a, a large CGT event is, is often a reason for escalation. So if that if if the lodgement came in as we expected, then there would be no further action. But where the lodgement isn't what we expect, um, and there has been disagreement, then you are part of our normal risk models. And the likelihood is that we would be asking for additional information and rolling into a more intensive review product. Cool, thank you for that. So hopefully that answers a couple of the questions that have been coming through, that's fantastic. And certainly if there's any more, you're welcome to send them through. And just before you kick off on, on this one, just jumping back quickly, because one question's come up about this to me privately. Uh, the light touch model that you're referring to, can you just give us an, an example? So you say on here that taxpayers get, get letters about light touch, what might that look like? If it's not an engagement, what has the ATO uh, done previously for a light touch? Yeah, so the light touch campaign basically identifies the transaction that has occurred and offers the agent an opportunity to engage. And we send out those light touch letters to the part of our market that sits just below that $30 million threshold that you spoke about. So they tend to operate in that 20 to $30 million transaction space. And, and yeah, like, like we're saying, we send out about 200 of those a year and we get about, well, this year was 28%, amazing. So we're getting around 50 of those who actually are saying, yes, based on that information that you've um, given us, we would like to take up that engagement. And would you be able to give us an example on what a risk might be that the ATO has, has done a light touch on? We don't assess risk in this program, Vincent, in that way. So the light touch letters get sent out to anyone who completes a transaction. So it's very much transaction based. So you might sell a commercial property worth 25 million, you know, in a, in a major capital city. And we'll just say, we've identified this transaction. We'll send this out to, your, to the advisor or the registered agent and offer them the engagement service and provide a little bit of information about how that, that service will play out. Great, so certainly for some of the practitioners on the line, it may be possible over the next year or so, and certainly into the future, that that's the sort of letter you might get if you don't meet that $30 million threshold that Ben's referring to and we've discussed already. Um, now, I've just, um, I might throw this one, Ben, in, into the mix if I could, and then, and then we'll continue on with the, the slides as well. Um, there's been a question posed um, from Stephen to the group. Um, is the agreed position binding on the ATO um, that's, that's arrived at at the end of the commercial deal engagement? What happens if things change in the future? I'm sort of yes. paraphrasing part of the uh, question. No, it's a really good question from Steve. And, and it's something that we address, you know, in some of the materials that we put out via LinkedIn and other channels. So definitely go and like the ATO LinkedIn page um, to get some of this information. But like what the best way I can explain it probably is that, you know, when you get a private ruling, it's a binding legal advice, right? Whereas a commercial deal engagement, we're really just committing to not 
um, pursuing it from a compliance perspective. So we're giving you a practical certainty that the approach you've taken is acceptable by the regulator. It's, it allows you to move on from your business and it allows you to, um, to not have to have that concern over the four year period of review. You know, effectively we're shortening your period of review to that moment when we've made that agreement. Um, you know, and that, and that is also determined by the fact that you've lodged in accordance to what we've agreed. Obviously, if the lodgement isn't in accordance with what we agreed, then, um, you know, the agreement is then null and void. So yeah, so it's practical certainty versus that full legal certainty. I hope, hopefully that's um, a helpful answer, Vincent. Sure, thanks, Ben. And Stephen, from, from my experience as well on this one, um, when I've assisted clients with commercial deals, usually what uh, I've seen the ATO provide um, at the end of the engagement is, is an assurance letter or sort of quote unquote, sometimes referred to colloquially as a, a bit of a comfort letter. Um, and it really just says at the end that so long as the, the client lodges the return based on, if we're talking CGT event, based on what has already been discussed with the ATO and effectively approved by the ATO, then by and large, there shouldn't be compliance action in the future. Certainly if things change or you didn't take, you didn't tell the ATO the whole story, then you know, I, I suspect the ATO wouldn't entire, be entirely happy with that. You might get a, a further knock on the door in due course. But by and large, uh, my experience has been so long as you follow through with lodging what you've said you'll lodge and it's consistent with what the ATO expected, then um, I would expect the ATO, um, in a sense, uh, agrees with their side of the bargain that you won't then get an audit in the future. So hopefully that answers uh, that one for you, Stephen. Now, Ben, we are really pressed for time. Mm -hmm. So I might just ask you to quickly cover this one. You've got about 25 seconds. Um, and then we're, we're nearly done for the day unless there's some <laughs> questions from the group. All right, can do. Sorry to put you under the pump for that one. Well, but, uh, I guess, yeah, look, we've got reporting, a reporting team. They look at the insights. They highlight the recent issues that were affecting our market. Um, the key points of discussion that we found this year were, you know, as you can see on the screen, eligibility to small business CGT concessions, capital versus revenue and trading stock, pre and post CGT assets, CGT rollovers, predominantly 124M script for script and 124N disposal of assets by a trust or company. And the discussions also included things like capital proceeds and cost-based calculations generally. Um, an example of a bit of a risk cluster that we identified is the small business CGT concessions, in particular around the application of the maximum net asset value test or MNAV. Um, and the small business entity test. And those have been um, translated into legislative change. So, you know, we do contribute to um, the broader system in that way. Great. Thanks, Ben. And just lastly, Stephen, I've seen your question. Um, absolutely, the answer to that would be yes, that you can certainly engage with the ATO prior to the transaction completing uh, to engage some certainty about how it's going to be implemented. Uh, so happy to talk to you about that one out of session. But thanks everyone again.